Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is Mandy and the F-Bomb. Hey y'all, welcome back to the F-Bomb. So today we've got Sarah Miller, and I'm so excited for you to meet her. She is a foster and adopt mom herself, and she's doing something really exciting, and that has to do with um, CWAP. So CWAP stands for Child Without Placement, and right now um, in our area and really all over the country, um, we are seeing some capacity issues, meaning um, we have lots of kids and not typically enough homes to put kids in. And so CWAP um, is Child Without Placement. It's whenever we can't find homes for kiddos. So as a solution, sometimes there are facilities called CWAP homes. So Sarah is working on bringing a CWAP home to our area. So she's got lots of cool things to share, and I know I'm going to learn something. But before we get started talking about um, the CWAP home, and I'm, I want you to share it, let's, can we hear a little bit about your story? I want to know, what's your connection to foster care? Is this something you planned on being involved in? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my husband and I had always thought adoption would be a part of our family's story, but we never really considered foster care before um, about a few years ago and we heard from a family at our church just a really beautiful story of the brokenness of foster care and how they came in to meet the needs of kiddos and so before that what we knew of foster care was just this really negative stigma (laughs) that the foster parents are doing it for the wrong reasons they just want the money and the kids who are coming to your home are more often than not teenagers who have awful behaviors and want to blame you for all the things that you are or aren't doing right so you heard this and you were like oh that's for me no yeah no (laughs) (laughs) um but it really opened our eyes just hearing that family story at our church Mm -hmm. and just brought a different light to foster care for us of the beauty of caring for orphans and i think we're all called to do that and so we started just thinking about, is that a part of our story? And I personally felt immediately called to action. And um, my husband had to hold me back a little bit um, from just rush, rushing right into it. But we um, we eventually pursued it and um, were foster parents for a little while. And that, that led to adoption, which was really exciting for us. Um, but yeah, I think once you are a part of foster care, you can't 
unsee it. Mm -hmm. And so there's always the question after you close your home of what's next? What can I keep doing? And that's what brought me to what I'm doing today. But um, yeah, that's kind of how I got involved. Can I ask, um, your experience with foster care, I know you had this like preconception Mm -hmm. and then you heard this family story. I'm a big proponent and that's one of the reasons we, that's why we do this podcast is because stories lead to emotional buy-in, leads to it being a less kind of unknown issue and can help people understand that, hey, this is not, this is not an other thing. This is something that everyone can be involved in. They're not quote unquote foster kids. They're just kids. They're just kids um, whose family was having a really hard time. Mm -hmm. Um, So thinking about that, how you did perceive foster care and then hearing from this family um, and then you had your own experience. Mm-hmm. What would what would you say to yourself, like looking back, whenever you were thinking, "Oh man, foster care is just not for us. This is not a thing that we can do." Yeah, I I think a lot of it is what you just said. They're just kids, mm-hmm. and when you're able to put a face to it, that just means so much more. So really to just be open and vulnerable. And I think kids in hard places need just as much love as the kids not in hard places. And sometimes more. Right. And, um, and for me, it was really tied with my faith. So Mm -hmm. I, I believe that God is calling us to do it and that, He's not calling us to do things that are easy, and and it's not about me. And so I think that is really what I would tell myself. Um, and just a reminder to not be fearful of the what ifs, just to be willing to dive into the unknown and be at peace about it. Um, once I heard this story, I I was immediately not opposed to it, but there's still that sense of anxiousness mm-hmm. and nervousness about what's to come um so yeah I would I think I would just tell myself not to worry um yeah if if I and this is what I eventually did but if I if I would have just leaned into it in the beginning um you know when you when you feel that call in your heart you just have to have to trust it yeah I really love what you said um we're not called to do the easy things. We're called to do the hard things. Yeah. And I believe that that's true. I think that the most growth, the most character building, um, it's it's through the hard things. And yeah. I, I think you are exactly right. So I love that. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. And yeah. um, if you don't mind, how old are your kiddos? Yeah, so they are in the pre-K <laughs> stage right now. So we... Um, we are just living those hard <laughs> days and those, Girl, I know. those rough years. So we have two little ones. Um, they're about to be three and four, very close in age, both girls. So never a dull moment in my house. <laughs> I get that. But but we love it. And, you know, again, that's not what we were expecting our family to look like, but what God gave us. And we're just trying to lean into it and, and love it and Roll with the punches. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, let me know a little. So y'all are on pause right now from mm-hmm. from being a foster home. Yeah. But you heard about something that was needed in our area. Yes. In a lot of areas. 
Yeah. Tell me about that and how you got involved. Yeah, absolutely. So with the recent pandemic, uh, you know, I think a lot of us had to take a step back and just really reevaluate life and what we were doing and how we were contributing in a meaningful way. And for me, that was, hey, our home's been closed for a while, but this is still a huge passion of mine, something I feel called to contribute to. And so what's next for me? Mm -hmm. Um, So I stumbled upon an organization called Isaiah 117 House, which started in East Tennessee. I'm originally from that area, so I had some personal connections. um, And I thought, man, this sounds like sure, we would have a need for this here. And so I reached out to them and said, hey, what's the process? How can we get this started? But life happens. And so at one point I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. Um, And then a friend of mine posted on Facebook, thank you, social media, um, (laughs) that just said, if you guys don't know, there are kids and teenagers sleeping on the floor of a local CPS office right now mm-hmm. and CPS needs cots and they need blankets because these kids don't have anything to sleep on. And that was just the eye-opening moment for me of yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. It's go time. Get on this. <laughs> yes, it's go time. Yeah. Um, stop focusing on your own stuff and just do it. And so, yeah, I just jumped right in and um, I'm really excited to be kind of leading the charge, bringing an Isaiah 117 house here to our area. But It is such a huge need um, all across the country. All across the country. You're exactly right. Tell me exactly what the Isaiah 117 house or facilities like it. I know you can't speak to every facility, but facilities like it that are for the CWAP situation, what do they do? What is their purpose? How do they, um, are they differentiated from something like a shelter? Yeah, absolutely. They definitely are. Um, They're more for that transition phase for the Mm -hmm. in-between so when kiddos and teens get removed from their homes um, sometimes there's not a place for them to go whether that's because of shortage of of open foster homes or maybe a kinship placement hasn't been found Um, and so they just end up in that Um, Mm in-between I know at least in our state there were hundreds of kids throughout the summer sleeping in an unlicensed placement for more than two nights, mm-hmm. um, two consecutive nights. And so that means they're sleeping in hotel rooms or on the floor of a conference room or something like that. And so what these homes do is just provide them with a safe place to be where they're not cooped up in an office or a place that feels unfamiliar or cold or anything like that. Um, they're able to come to a home that can physically love on them, keep them safe, feed them food, play with them, those types of things um, in that transition period. Mm -hmm. And what's really cool is it gives CPS, as we call them, or the state an opportunity to take the time they need to find a placement that's a good fit. Mm -hmm. And I feel for those workers because so often they're just looking for a bed, an open space to put them, but that's not always the best place. And so the home allows that time to really think through all the options that are available for the kid or the teen and to put them in a place that's a best fit for them. So um, it isn't a shelter. Um, Some kids and teens do move on to shelters Mm -hmm. or residential treatment centers or things like that. It's not a long-term placement. It's really not even an official placement. It's just a place for them to be, for them to be loved on and cared for um, in a space that's comfortable. So um, the difference I'm hearing um, is 
a shelter can be for a longish term placement. It's not a permanent placement, but it can be used as a placement. Shelters are staffed and they are equipped to have kids um, for a length of time. Right, right. Where something like the Isaiah House or CWAP home um, is not staffed in a sense that they are not um, authorized to, like, I guess, not just watch the kids, because that sounds weird. Sure. Um, But, like, kind of be responsible for the kids. Yes. Because they are not a guardian. They don't have um, any of that. So it's there. They would stay at the Isaiah 117 house. Um, f- with their caseworker st- on, on the property. Yes, yes. Okay. So a, a difference with CWAP homes in a lot of areas across the country is that that caseworker is constantly present. So a unique part of the Isaiah 117 house in particular is that we do bring in caregiver volunteers who can give that caseworker a break, give them space to process the trauma that they just went through when the removal was happening, give them space to get a cup of coffee and some food, and then really dive in to that hard work of finding a placement. But while that's happening, we can bring in volunteers to love on and care for that kiddo. Mm-hmm. Now, not all CWAP homes have those volunteers, um, but the key piece and the key difference there is that that caseworker is present the whole time. So many CWAP homes, that's the case. Awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So tell me about where y'all are as far as the planning stages goes and what does the timeline look like? Yeah, well, we are just about to kick off and we're so excited. Um, So here in the Waco area, McLennan County in Texas, we are kicking off on September 19th and um, it is going to be a huge party for those of us that are so excited. Um, (laughs) It is more like an official meeting, but just an opportunity for the community to come out and to hear the story of this home, um, our founder is going to fly out and and just share her heart and kind of how it all got started. Um, and then the timeline takes about 18 months. So mm-hmm. we will spend most of this academic year, six to eight months or so, just raising awareness of the need. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is our goal. And what we've seen is that when people know First of all, there's a shock factor. Jaws are dropping. I mean, people don't know that kids are sleeping on the floor of an office. And so we want people to know that. We want them to know that this is a need. And when that happens, God's people just show up. And they show up with the things that we need. And and they step up to help and make it happen for our community and communities across the country. Um, This organization in particular is just growing and um, expanding exponentially, which is 
so cool to see. But um, but we'll spend that six to eight months just raising awareness of the need and just talking to anyone we can. So any church, any organization, any business, we just want to mm-hmm. come and talk to their people um, about the need and about the organization and how they can help and get involved. Um, and then after that, hopefully we'll move into construction or renovation. So we don't have a home right now. Um, but that is part of the process. Is either part of building, the awareness process. Yes, yeah. is building yeah. or renovating a home initially um, when we get to that point. And then, you know, we'll have all the fun things that the community mm-hmm. can get involved in, the groundbreaking, the ribbon mm-hmm. cutting one day, um, and just kind of stocking the home with yeah. all the furniture and all that. So it really is community support. Yep. We are relying on our community, just as the homes all across the mm-hmm. country are relying on their communities to make it happen. And so that's really exciting. Um, yeah. It has us on the edge of our seats. We're just waiting for, for Waco and for our county to show up. So Well, and I think what you said is exactly right. Making people aware is not not just half the battle. I think it's the majority of the battle is yes. making people aware what's going on. In my experience, and I know people may may think of life a different way, but in my experience, even going through some really, really hard things, my the consensus in my head has been people are good mm-hmm. for the most part people are good yes and I think there is an innate sense of responsibility mm-hmm. um that we have for kids mm-hmm. and whenever people are made aware of what's going on it's almost never I don't want to help with that some people choose not to, right. but it's rarely because I don't want to help with that. A lot of it is, this feels too big. What the hell could I do yeah, to absolutely. help with something like this? What yes. could I do to fix a problem like this? And the answer is any little thing. Any, any little, little thing. thing. Yes. And it's everybody doing their own right thing, their own little thing Mm -hmm. that's going to make a giant problem like this Mm -hmm. um, non-existent. And that's the hope. I I know that that's the hope. Yes. Um, The hope is that the community steps up in such a big way that maybe more people get involved in foster care. And there's not a need for something like the Isaiah House. We won't have a CWAP situation. Absolutely. And so um, I love that. I love that y'all are focusing on community awareness because in what I've seen in my experience is people want to help. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And um, it stems from, at first, they just don't know that there's a problem. Right. And what I love about CWAP Homes, organizations like Isaiah 117 House, is that there's a place for everyone. Foster care is not just about those people that open their homes and bring in mm-hmm. foster children or teens. Because it's there's a place for everybody. It's an issue that everyone can help solve and it requires everyone to yeah, help solve. And that's right. so for our organization in particular, I mean, we're going to need the furniture in the house. We're going to need people to mow the lawn once the house is open. That's right. To bring Chick-fil-A or anything mm-hmm. that people feel like they can do to contribute. Well, I know you'll have resources and um, yes. you'll have some resources, but it's going to be difficult to um, prepare for every single Um, child that comes in in every single size and so you're going to be reaching out to other organizations um, to help with that as well yeah and I love that and Mm -hmm. what I've seen in our area and I'm just going to talk about that real quick and um, I think every town every situation um, has a little bit different feeling one of the things that I love about our area is 
our experience in the nonprofit world in our area is that we all want to work together. We all mm-hmm. want to work together and weave this really dense net of support under families um, who need it. Yes. So that's one of the cool things um, about our area. And I'm so glad that you are part of this situation. I'm looking forward to the Isaiah 117 so house. The kickoff <laughs> is going to be amazing. Again, it's mm-hmm. September 19th. September 19th. It's at 3 o'clock p.m. And it is going to be at the pavilion at the Arboretum in Woodway area. And so we would love to see anyone to come out. And we expect there to be media and school districts and um Police, fire, and rescue departments, and churches, and just oh all gosh. that. So it's going to be a that's going to be amazing, big, awesome opportunity. That's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm so I am so excited for you guys. Um, I want to ask another question: If um, people are interested in mm-hmm. finding out a little bit more about the Isaiah One Seventeen House, um, where would they go? Do y'all have a website? But also, I want to know. I know it started in East Tennessee. Yes. Do y'all have locations other places as well? If if someone is listening from another part of the country, how do they get involved in something like this where they are? Absolutely. Isaiah 117 House is in a lot of states these days. The homes are in various stages, whether it's expansion like ours, um, raising awareness or construction renovation, or maybe their home is already open. So um, anyone can visit Isaiah117house.com. You can see the locations. You can buy some swag and help us raise awareness. Um, You can hear the story, read all about it. So definitely visit the website for anybody locally um, or even just other states, other counties um, in the country. You can see the contact information for the person who's the expansion coordinator like myself or the program coordinator who's working in an open home and get connected with them. Um, There's a variety of volunteer opportunities, whether it's during expansion or once the home is open. And so... I would definitely point everyone to the website to find that contact information. So, um, again, it's Isaiah117house.com. Really I simple and easy, but a great Thank place to so look. Thank you so much. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to what y'all are going to bring to this area. And I love that there are so many locations all across the country that people can get involved in. For this sure. is um, the CWAP. The CWAP things that are happening are, are an issue that people are largely unaware of. And I'm not sure. I really don't think that's an intentional thing. I Mm -hmm. think that um, foster care in general is a little bit off people's radar. Yes. And so the CWAP is one aspect of foster care that's an even kind of even more off people's radar. So um, I love what you guys are doing and that we have the opportunity to bring awareness to CWAP. So that's Child Without Placement. And if you've got people in your state, that's a yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, then I'm sure you've got a CWAP situation going on somewhere in your state and there is room for you to do your something to help with that thing. Mm -hmm. So it's not ever an all or nothing thing. Every person doing their right thing is going to help us. Absolutely. So thank you so much for coming out. I appreciate it. But before we go, I have a question for you. Okay. So... We call the show the F-bomb, and that's because I really think that it's the things that just wreck your life Mm -hmm. that create the best version of you. Right. So we were talking about that earlier, just leaning into the hard, and Mm -hmm. I really think that there's a difference between fearless and brave. Fearless is not even recognizing that there's going to be, you know, a challenge and just diving into something. It's naivety. Courage, bravery, that is knowing, oh, man. 
this is going to get messy. This is going to be hard. This is going to be scary and deciding that I'm going to walk this path anyway. And I think that you have been super brave and you've been super courageous, not just doing the foster care thing, but then jumping into the Isaiah house thing. I want to know um, what your F-bomb moment was. What was the thing that made you go, you know what? I'm never going to be the same again. I can't, I can't ever turn back. Oh man, there's so many. <laughs> uh, once you jump in, it just, you're constantly reminded of that. And, and I think that's something really special and unique. But, you know, I remember one time before my husband and I said, yeah, we're doing this. And for about a year after we heard that family's awesome story, also a really hard story, um, this was something that I just couldn't get off my brain. I was reading things. I was asking questions. I was just doing all the things, and it felt like my mind kept going back to that. And that was the first time that anything really happened for me like that. Um, just this idea or this cause that I just couldn't let go of. And so there was a moment where we were standing in our kitchen cooking dinner, and I just emotionally broke down. And I told my husband, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I don't know what we can do, but I have got to do something because this is not leaving me. Mm -hmm. Once I heard it, I just couldn't let it go. And so I think that was the first moment, one I'll never forget, um, just where I got to the point that it broke me down. And mm -hmm. I said, we have got to do something. Oh, man. And of course, like I said, ever since then, you know, there are moments that I'm just reminded this has changed me yeah, forever and, and I will never not do something. And even when, you know, this stage of, of my life transitions to another, there will always be a need. There will always be something else. And so I'm always going to be asking that question of, of what's next, because what's next? once you see it, you can't, you can't unsee it. You've got to do something. I love that. And you are doing amazing things. And so I'm excited that you're already, I guess, pressing into what's next. Mm -hmm. So I know that we're going to continue to see amazing things from you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. And thank you for coming on. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Hey, guys, before I go, I wanted to let you know, if you head up to um, roguemedianetwork.com, there's a button that says survey. We are really trying to meet the needs of our listeners. If you could take a minute and fill out that survey for us, man, we'd really appreciate it. Mandy and the F-Bomb is produced by Rogue Media. Make sure to like and follow us on social media, and you can find our show anywhere you get podcasts or at roguemedianetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media podcast. Podcast.